imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, uh, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested gen- so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, uh, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All right, why don't we pray together? Um, God, we look to you uh, for... Um, understanding and wisdom. We thank you that um, you are a good father that um, loves to give good gifts to his children. And uh, we pray that uh, at this time, as we just look into your word, would you give us one of those gifts? Uh, would, you, would you show us what it means to be joyful? And uh, God, just to overflow with it uh, so much so that uh, we'd share it with the world and uh, with all our neighbors around us. Uh, God, we uh, pray, be here with us in this time, uh, and uh, just uh, help us to be fed. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Okay, um, if you looked at your announcements or your, like, bulletin, the title of this message is Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. I thought that was a catchy title. Do you guys know where that comes from? And when I was growing up, I'd be like, Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, Happy. All right, anyways, some of you will know where that comes from. If you don't, just look it up. It's kind of cute and raunchy and... Not in a terrible way, but uh, just in a strange way. But um, today I want to talk about this topic, okay? Uh, joy, uh, sort of slash happiness. Um, you know, it's it's one of those, it's a big topic. Like, um, you know, Pastor Susung just got finished going through like a 12-part series or so, right? He spent like the last 12 weeks. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the reason for that is, you know, he's hitting a huge topic. Right? I'm, I'm going to hit a huge topic, right? But I don't have the luxury of just kind of like going ding, 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 ding. Right? I'm just going to try to hit it out of the ballpark in like one shot. Okay, so this is, I'm just going to take a big swing, and uh, hopefully something falls in your brain, and, and you're like, wow, okay? Um, and this topic we're going to talk about today um, is is huge, okay? It's huge in a lot of different ways. It's, it's a source of many different rivers, and what I mean by that is um, it, 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 it flows into so many different parts of our lives. Okay, whether um, you know we're talking about the government, it's like a it's a basic foundation of, of our whole country, right? If, if you remember, uh, what is it, fifth grade, and you studied the Declaration of Independence? I don't know if you did in California. I think your education kind of is, is poor, but in our schools in Chicago, we studied the Declaration of Independence, and we learned that. Um, you know, what did they write? We hold these truths to be self-evident, you know, that um, we are created, like, basically, we're created with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Okay, so this is like a basic building block of our whole nation, right? Politically, uh, it's a huge driver, um, you know, even economically, um, there's been a lot of research being done in the last 20 years about how do we... Uh, create happiness and products, right? If you are able to understand happiness or joy to the extent where you could package it and sell it, you'd have more money than you'd ever know what to do with, right? You could, you, you could basically dominate the whole world if you could package happiness and sell it, 
Okay, um, it falls into all of our activities and what we do. Uh, it's the reason why we buy a new phone every two years. It's the reason why we drive the car we drive. It's the reason why we dress the way we dress. It's the reason why we want to be married. It's the reason why uh, we want to, you know, have friends. It's the reason why we want to see certain movies and not see others. It's the reason. It's the reason for like almost everything we do in life is happiness or joy. Right? It's it's a motivation. Okay, it's, it's like a it just flows into all these different parts of our lives. Okay, so, um, you know, I mean, it's as simple as, you know, asking if, how many of you guys want more joy in your life, more happiness? Right? Everyone, hopefully, would probably raise their hand unless you're, like, seriously depressed and uh, you need someone to talk to. Uh, but uh, most of us would probably say yes, okay, or definitely would say yes. Okay, so um, let's look at verse 8. All right, I want to focus on this, and then we'll jump away from it for a while, and then we'll come back, okay? And the, and the jump away might take a little while, but... Um, I think it'll be worth it when you see where we're going. Okay. Uh, when we see verse 8, right, it says, uh, Though you have not seen him, talking about Christ, you love him. Though you do not uh, now see him, you believe in him. Right? And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with gr- glory. Okay. So uh, when we're understanding our, or when Peter is writing about this joy that we're rejoicing in, right, he uses two words to describe it. Right? Two Two words, okay? And, and these words aren't like little speed bumps that we go over, like as we're getting to understanding what this joy is, okay? These are huge, towering words, okay? When you, when you think about inexpressible and filled with glory, right, these are not like words that you use every day, right? Like, you know, I ate my cereal this morning, and I was just, it was inexpressible, and it was filled with glory, that cereal. Those Cheerios are amazing. Right? We don't, like, these are words that when you run across them, you gotta recognize the magnitude that, that they're trying to point at. Okay? It's not just inexpressible, but it is filled with glory. And if you think about that, right, that concept, right, when is the last time you experienced anything in your life that was inexpressible and filled with glory? When's the last time you experienced anything in your life that was inexpressible, right, and filled with glory? Okay, maybe uh, some of you guys that have had children, right, when, when you had your baby, you were filled with inexpressible joy that was just, you know, just filled with glory. Right? I, I don't know, like when I think about my life, I don't, when I got married, right, inexpressible, filled with glory, but there, there's not many points on your life that you point to and you say, this moment in my life was inexpressible and filled with glory, right, when you really think about it. Okay, but... Uh, when we look at this passage, right, Peter is telling us that this should be some almost a norm of our life. Okay, uh, Peter says, you know, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory as you think about Christ, who's going to come. Right? And this isn't Peter alone. When we think about uh, when we look all throughout the New Testament, all the different writers in the New Testament are pointing at this same picture for us to follow or understand of joy. Okay, Uh, we look at Jesus in in John. He says, uh, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, which is a verse that Susung opened with. All right, Paul writes in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He's telling us, commanding us, rejoice. And when we talk, uh, James, James 1.2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, even in our suffering. Rejoice, have joy. All right, John 
Writing in 1 John, he writes, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Right? As a community, I want our joy to be complete. Right? Not, not a, a partial joy or a shallow joy, but a complete and full joy. Right? Which is kind of a big expectation. Right? Is, it reasonable, is it a reasonable demand of Christians to have this kind of joy? Right? Like when, when the Bible makes a true statement like this, right, or a truth command such as this, we've got to ask the question, is that even reasonable to expect Christians, anyone on this planet, to live with that kind of joy? Right? And if so, how do we experience it, and how is it different than the world's joy? Okay, so those, those are the basic questions we're going to answer through this sermon. Okay, you, see, you see what kind of sledgehammer I'm pulling out here? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to hit it like hard. Okay, um, so like when, you know, again, I say this is a big t- topic and, uh, you know, in this message, I'm going to try to give you like a joy 101 message. Okay, it's, it's just going to be more of a framework. I can't get to all the details as much as I'd like to. I, I'm, I was already like last night cutting out pieces and trying to make it shorter and simpler just because of time's sake. But hopefully these questions are interesting to you. Okay, is it reasonable demand of Christians to have this kind of joy? If so, how do we experience it? And how is it different from the world's joy? Okay, so um, um, okay, in, in order to understand this better, okay, the, the first thing I wanted to do was uh, we're going to do a number of comparisons today. And uh, these comparisons are going to help us to understand this concept of joy better. Okay, so as the title says, happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, it's very much like um, if I asked you to tell me what Coke is like, right? It's hard to describe Coke by itself, but if you put it next to Pepsi, then there's all sorts of stuff you can say about it. Right? It's not as sweet, and it just tastes better, and, and, and you can compare it. You can say it's, they're both brown. And so like, to understand Coke better, you need to compare it to something. So um, to understand joy better, I want to compare it to happiness. Okay? So um, as you see up there, um, when you talk about joy and happiness, if I were to ask you, how do you define joy and how do you define happiness, all right, uh, it's kind of a difficult question. Right? It's like there's something about it that's sort of the same, but there's something about it that's sort of different. Right? Just in our minds, for some reason, that's, that's just the way uh, happiness and joy is. Okay, so uh, this diagram is a definitional diagram, and it kind of represents uh, this overlap in definitions. Okay, there's part of joy that's different. There's part of happiness that's different. But there's a lot of it that's sort of similar. Okay? And uh, what I, the first thing I want to do and talk about is what is similar. Okay, what is similar, the similar part. Okay, and um, in order to do that, okay, uh, I want to compare what the world thinks about joy and what Christians think about joy and happiness. Okay, so um, basically if I were to make a diagram, it would be the same thing. You just put Christian on one side and the world, meaning, you know, the, the American culture basically on the other side. There's going to be parts that overlap and there's going to be parts where we share joy and happiness with the, with the you know, Christians in the world. We'll share similar types of things, but there's also differences, right, very distinct differences. Okay, so, um, okay, so uh, the way we're going to do this is um, we're going to talk about um, – uh, there's, there's basically two authorities by which uh, we can uh, use the world's measure of um, happiness or joy. Okay, I'm going to use them interchangeably because we're talking about the middle now. Okay? Um, there's, there's two authorities. Okay? There's, uh, the, the one way we can talk about it is using authority and measurement of, you know, we can look at the magazine rack or go to Barnes & Nobles to the self-help section. We can watch Dr. Phil. We can look on the Internet. How do you be happy? 
Okay, and then you get all kinds of harebrained stuff. Um, I was reading some articles on the internet, and they're like, you know, just you gotta like rub yourself, and you'll be happier. You know, or you know, the the ones where they're like, look in the mirror and say, you're a good person, and you're gonna work hard today, and and smile, okay, or or smile more. And and there's all these like kind of anecdotal ways to increase your happiness, and and you know, those aren't without effect, right? They're, I mean, they work. I mean, it's not like you know totally untrue, but. Um, uh, but but if we compared like you know the Christian view of joy and happiness versus the world's view and, and that's the measure I use, it'd be sort of like setting up a straw man and it's it's very unfair to do that. Okay, so um, uh, you know it'd be like you know comparing Christianity like and, and using the measure of like TV evangelists to to say this is what the Christians this is what they believe and this is who they are they are and what they're all about. You know there, there's more depth to it than. Um, than that. Some of them, okay, some are very good. Uh, so um, the measure I wanted to use and, and the time I spent uh, this, this week uh, researching was um, university-level psychology, okay, tier one-level uh, university research on positive psychology, okay, if that sounds impressive to you. Right, that's why I said it. Okay, I'm trying to impress you. Okay, so basically, um, you know, if you've ever used Google, there's like this special hidden section. If you go into the more searches called Google Scholar, and you can get like, you know, real in-depth like research research where they're like, you know, um, just doing like hardcore stuff. Okay, so uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the stuff I looked into. Okay, so I was reading article after article, uh, research paper after research paper, trying to discover what does the world think of happiness and how do they, um, how have these, uh, you know, PhDs, these people that are voting their lives to this subject, um, finding happiness, right? What do they say? Okay, and um, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I would, I, I just, I feel like I could just sit here and talk about what I read about for like an hour or two, and it's so interesting. It's so fascinating. Uh, but um, let me just summarize a couple points that I found, okay, that I thought were interesting. Okay, from uh, some of, basically, like, you know, a, a number of results, there's, a couple, two theories I want to present to you, okay, that, that I found. Okay, one of them they call the set point theory, okay, and, and this is, um, you know, what they found out about happiness. Okay, a set point theory. And uh, what the set point theory is, uh, is, um, is a theory basically where they say your happiness, there's, there's a certain level to your happiness, okay, and the certain level is determined by genetics and uh, certain parts of your personality, but it's a, it's a predetermined level of happiness by which you live, okay? And uh, throughout a person's life, it doesn't, it hardly varies at all, and you, you return to it, okay? So you can have moments of happiness, right? Uh, you, they would say, you know, even marriage, right? You get married, you're happy for a while, but you return to this set point, okay? And you return back to this, this standard level of happiness. You, you lose your job, you get sad, but eventually you return to this set level of happiness. So um, whether it is, um, you know, injury, um, like I said, marriage, job loss, job gain, um, you know, happy moments, sad moments, whatever the case might be, you always return to this level, okay? And, and it's interesting how they, I, I could just talk about forever, but they did, like, uh, identical twin studies to find out the genetics of it, and, and, like, you know, they did, like, fraternal twins, and they studied them and followed them and tested their... Uh, happiness levels over time, depending on circumstances in their life, and they find that uh, this is this is a valid theory. Okay, and a lot of psychology leans towards this. Okay, so um, if there's a graph, it would sort of look like that. 
okay? Um, it always returns. It goes back to that set level, and, and it doesn't move very much, okay? So, um, like, when you get married, it doesn't, like, the set, level, the set point doesn't bump up, right? It, it basically stays there, okay, which, right, for, uh, you know, those of you who are going to be married soon, right, this is what you have to look forward to. You'll be happy, and then it'll get normal, and then it'll get really rocky for a while, and then it'll get back to normal, okay? But just, it's, yeah, okay, so that's what they believe. Okay, um, if you want to sound smart about it, uh, the, the phrase they use for the returning uh, is uh, hedonic adaption, okay, like hedonism, you know, just like striving for whatever makes you happy. Right? It, it, you know, the hedonism adapts, and then it goes back to a neutral point. Okay, so, uh, you know, we can see this in our life. If you want to test this today, uh, or, you know, if you want to think about it, if you have if you have kids or you were a kid, you know, when you grow up, you want some toy so bad, Right, and if you give that toy to your kid, or you know, you you got that toy when you're growing up, you were so happy. And then, like a week later, or a day later, or an hour later, they're like, whoosh, and then you know, they want something new. Right? They're back to that set point. Okay, you go to McDonald's, they're like, Happy Meal, right? Please, this will solve world hunger and bring world peace, right? If they just have this Happy Meal, okay, and you give them the Happy Meal, they're happy for 30 minutes, and then back to normal. Okay, so um, experientially, we can see this uh, in our, it working out, okay? Um, another theory, um, again, um, like I said, uh, economics is picked up on uh, positive psychology. It's, it's, a, it's starting to become a big driving factor uh, for uh, economic analysis and political decisions and how we make different, um, um, you know, uh, political decisions. Uh, and their theory is called, um, you know, in a kind of sort of blunt phrase, more is better. Okay, more is better theory. Okay, and from their theory, um, you know, the more edu- like they have research, and you know, obviously, in psychology, it's kind of a mess, right? Um, it's uh, they, they have studies and they have counter studies and they have more counter studies and counter studies and counter counter studies, and uh, it goes on and on forever. Okay, uh, but if there's a counter study, more is better. Okay, and uh, they say, um, you know, they have research that says, you know, generally the more education a person has, as, as their level of education goes up, their happiness goes up, right? Uh, be it, if you want to use the word set point, can actually move according to uh, their education and different determining factors. Okay, so they don't necessarily believe that, um, you know, that set point exists, but um, that that's flexible and movable. Okay. Um, the measures that generally, or uh, the measures are, that's my graph up there. It's got the little steps, okay, that can change over time, up or down, okay? Um, the measures they generally use, happiness correlates, okay, uh, like factors that they compare happiness against to see how it's affected, okay? Um, these are some of the popular ones, okay? There, there's, they, it's just whatever you can think of, they'll study it against it, but these are generally the popular ones, okay, uh, when they measure happiness. Uh, you know, money, how, how happy does money make you? Does money make you happy, yes or no? And then, you know, they've studied lottery ticket winners, and, you know, they see their happiness rise, and the set point people say after a while it returns back to normal, okay? Um, you know, education, marriage, friends, work, health, family, uh, all these different factors, okay? How do they affect happiness? Okay, and when you look at these, um, you know, I'll say, um, you know, um, from a world's perspective or a worldly perspective, all these things are tied to life on this earth. Okay, all these things are tied to, this, to life on this earth. Okay, so uh, from this, uh, from my brief look, or, or you know, I throw this research out to you. Uh, the mini conclusion is uh, the world hasn't figured it out yet. 
Okay, every paper I've read, there's no statement at the end that says if you want to increase your happiness a significant amount, right, not just like a tiny little bit from your you know, normal set point, but a significant amount, they don't have an answer for that. There is no answer. Okay? As far as they're concerned, like the set point, people will say, you know, political decisions, economic, all the stuff we do for uh, the general well-being of society, like government does and stuff, it's worthless because you're going to return to that normal point anyway, so you're not going to really make people happier. Okay? And, and it's weird like that. Okay? But they haven't figured it out, okay? the mini-conclusion. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Like, uh, there's a recent article that said, uh, I mean, from this sermon, can you guess what the most popular class at Harvard University is? Right? It's uh, in positive psychology, the science of happiness. Okay, is the most popular class at Harvard. Right? The, 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 in the article, the professor was saying, uh, the professors were saying they were shocked by how many students they saw enrolled when they walked in. And at first, uh, they were thinking that maybe the students were there to, uh, you know, find a class that's an easy A. But eventually they found out that uh, they were serious about being in that class. They were genuinely looking for answers to this problem of happiness, okay? And uh, they, wanted, they wanted answers, okay? So, uh, you know, if you look at that small microcosm and you think of Harvard, uh, you, you know, generally you, you know, try to say these are some of the smartest people on the planet Earth, okay? And the, the class they're seeking the most is how, how can I be happy? How can I be happy? Right, uh, which again, the world hasn't figured it out yet. Okay, and and in that, right, you you rec- you got to recognize that the Bible is saying a very bold thing. Right, when it's saying, you know, I, the Bible's saying we have a solution for joy. Right, the joy that the Bible is trying to make a truth claim towards is that we have a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Right, something that the smartest people on this planet haven't figured out how to do yet, but the Bible is claiming this claim. Okay, so it, it, again, the Bible is making this magnificent claim right, that, that needs to be investigated. Okay, so um, if we're to go back to our diagram, um, you know, the, the two sides. Okay, let's look at the little edges a little. Okay, let me try to differentiate a little bit of happiness. Okay, so uh, two definitions um, that I sort of adjusted and found of happiness and joy. Okay, let me read these to you. Um, and uh, just keep following with me and just setting up, and, and you'll see where this goes. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, happiness, right? the experience of feeling good. Right? No surprise there. Uh, experienced inside and often expressed outwardly. It can bubble up unexpectedly from within, or it can be triggered within by some external stimulation, event, or object. Okay, so happiness, basically experience of feeling are good. Uh, joy. Uh, joy is the deeper experience of delightful happiness. Okay, so I know there's a lot of overlap there, but there's a little bit of difference. Okay, deeper, deeper experience. Think about maybe like more heartfelt experience. Um, not necessarily triggered by external stimuli and perhaps less outwardly expressive than the, than the way in which happiness is often displayed. Okay, so can you see the little difference? Um, uh, maybe in a simple sentence, um, happiness is more dependent on outward circumstances, while joy, on the other hand, is more internal and uh, more constant. Okay, so that's, that's the kind of differentiation I'm trying to present to you. Okay, you can kind of um, think about it and agree or disagree as you will. Um, if you want comparisons for those to kind of help you think about it, um, happiness, I would say the antonym would be sadness. Okay, it's, it's more of a temporary thing. Where uh, joy, the antonym in, in my mind would be depression. 
and where happiness is more of a heartfelt, like long-term, not necessarily affected by outward stimuli as much, okay? Depression is similar. It's a sadness that's not affected by, you know, hey, let's just go see a movie, and it's going to cure your depression. No, it'll make you happier, but it's not going to cure your depression. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue on, okay? Um, uh, the, the, this is what we're dealing with, okay? This is what we're dealing with, okay? And uh, when we... Um, look at a biblical usage of joy. I feel like these definitions make a lot of sense. Okay, and, and the reason I can say that is, um, you know, uh, just just look at Galatians chapter five, twenty two, twenty three, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit. Right, what are the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You know, all this different stuff that's going on there. Right. When you think of the word joy in that list, right? Love, joy, peace. All right. Um, these are not um, flippant emotions. Right? Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. You're going to smile more. All right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. You're smiling? Fruit. Right? It's, that's, that's not where it's pointing towards. Right? It's not just this temporal kind of you know, flippant happiness, but there's something deeper about it. Right? It's, it's a deeper, heartfelt uh, fruit that's going on there. Okay? So when, when I look at the way um, the Bible uses joy, joy, rejoice, joy, I really feel like happiness isn't an adequate substitute uh, or, or, you know, for that word. Okay, so when the Bible is talking about joy, it's talking about something that is actually deeper um, and, and stronger and, and, you know, more internal that, that isn't, you know, it's, it's not just this up and down kind of thing. Okay, so um, if we were to, um, you know, plot these two definitions out on a graph, Right. I would say joy would be, for our functional um, you know, word usage uh, loosely, our set point. Okay, set point would be joy. Happiness and sadness is happiness and sadness. Okay, those fluctuate over time, but our joy is what sort of defines us a little bit more. Okay. Um, uh, when we look at these, uh, when we look at these definitions, okay, um, Right. When we um, look at what's going on here, okay, uh, when I look at the research that the university is doing, I, f- I really feel like um, in this graph, um, you know, what, what the universities are trying to do or what they want to do is affect joy, right? And how they're trying to do this is by injecting happiness. Right? That, that's just my, like, loose, you know, people would yell at me if I said that at a university. Okay, they're like, that's not what we're trying to say. But uh, in my mind, like, to say it very simplistically, that's, that's kind of what's going on, right? They want to affect joy. They want to affect that set point. They want to make you happier. Okay, and the way they do that is, you know, is it more money? Is it more education? Is it marriage? Is it family? What's going to move that line for us? Okay, and what can we inject into that person that's going to change their set point, their joy level? Okay, um, so as we look at this list and... and, and um, as we look at these correlates, um, you know, the, the problem is, you know, among Christians, right, many Christians, right, we fall into the same trap. Okay, we fall into the same trap. Right? As Christians, even though uh, we should see this joy that is, uh, you know, uh, just, just, just there are no words to describe it, and there's just, it's just so glory-filled, um, we are defining, we're letting our lives be defined by money, education, marriage, friendship, health, sex, um, what kind of car we own, like all these different factors, we allow those things to define what our joy is. Okay, uh, and, and, and you 
hear it. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, if, if you're not a Christian, you look at Christians, you're like, they're not very different from us. They complain about the same things. They complain about their job. They complain about their wives. They complain about their car. They complain about not having a nice enough car. They complain about, they complain just like we do. There's no difference. Okay? And the reason is because we look at these correlates and we're like, why don't I have more joy in my life? And then we blame these things. And we look at these. And it's a terrible, terrible thing that we're doing. Okay, again, uh, you know, the, as, as I opened with the question, is it reasonable for the Bible to expect us to have a joy that is inexpressible and glory-filled? Right? It's a big question, okay? Um, okay, so let's, let's look. Let's see. Okay, why or what is it that Christ does or what is it that the gospel does all right, that can move that line? Okay, why is it that the world has such a difficult time moving that set point of joy, but for Christians, right, for believers in Christ, it, it's off the charts? Right, what does the gospel do? Right, um, let's look back at our passage. Now that you have all this stuff ready to go, right? uh, let's look at our passage. Okay? And I want to read this passage again. Uh, but I want you to notice is um, all the eternal benefits of Jesus and the gospel right, as I read this passage. Okay? So, Because all Peter is doing here is basically stating what the gospel is and what our response should be. Okay? Um, so blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, okay, so if you're trying to figure out what I'm trying to say to you, um, great mercy, right, eternal benefit, we receive God's great mercy. He has called us to be born again, all right, we're born again, to a living hope, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, right, all these benefits that we're receiving, eternal benefits, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Right. In this you rejoice. Okay, so in that, in that eternal salvation, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, great mercy, living hope, resurrection, right, we're rejoicing. In this you rejoice, though, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, so uh, what Peter's saying here is, um, um, you know, uh, the, the correlates, you know, when you struggle with, depression, when you struggle with education, when you struggle with marriage, right, those are real problems, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to belittle those problems and say, um, you know, those, those, just forget about, ignore those, just think about heaven, right? But uh, those are real problems, right? They need real answers, right? And, and um, you know, um, um, in Christ, there's a method to the madness, right? That's all I'll say about that. Um, you know, that's a whole other sermon in itself. Uh, but verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, so it's real. Uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, do you see what this is doing to these correlates? Okay, the, the life of Christ. Okay, when Christ comes, 
Christ comes down to this earth, all right, dies for our sins, offers us a new life, resurrects from the dead, and, and you know, offers us his righteousness. All right, this is what he's doing. All right, when, when we look at these correlates, okay, money, all right, in the kingdom scheme of things, all right, what does is, what is the Bible teach us? All right, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy. Do you think money's going to make you happy? You bet it's going to make you happy, but you've got to search for the right money, heavenly money heavenly treasure, right? Education, right? There's an education, right? The wisdom, the, the wisdom of man is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God, right? God has a greater education in his scriptures than the world could ever know, right? The world looks at, 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 at the salvation and thinks it's foolishness, but it's not, right? You think, you think joy is an education? You bet it is, right? But it's in the understanding of God, right? Marriage, uh, you, uh, in, in the kingdom scheme of things, the church becomes the bride of Christ. It's a greater marriage than this world could ever offer. Right? Friendship, you get a community of believers that is eternal, that is based on grace and forgiveness, love and mercy, unlike any other relationship on this planet. Right? Work, you want your work to be valuable? Become fishers of men. Right? Work that has eternal rewards and wages. Right? You want health? Right? Eternal life. You want family? You get put into God's eternal family. Okay, so what, it, what God is bringing us into, what the, the work of Jesus Christ is bringing us into, is happiness and joy that is incomparable by the world's standard. Okay, this is bringing us to a whole nother level. This is why Peter, James, uh, John, Jesus can all say that this joy is inexpressible. It is glory-filled because it is not of this earth. Okay, while the world is just trying to inject us with something that's going to bring us more happiness so that our joy level will, will change, okay, if you believe in the set point theory and you believe there's genetics involved, okay, what is Jesus doing? He's giving us new DNA. Okay, there's that term born again for a reason. Okay, he's giving us a new life, right, so that our level can rise so much higher than anything on this planet. Okay, so when we measure our joy by these levels, okay, all we can expect is this. Okay, but when we look to the kingdom and, you know, the active word in Peter is faith. Okay, this faith that activates, this faith in Jesus, that you believe that Jesus is coming. All right, this faith that acted, you believe in this kingdom that's to come. All right, then you know, you believe in, in, the, in, the, in the wages that Jesus is going to give you. You believe in the marriage of, of the church that Jesus is going to perform. You believe in the fellowship of believers that's going to happen. Right? Your joy takes a whole other level. Right? And the way you view this world takes a whole other level. Okay, so um, let me give you two simple uh, I don't know, I think it's simple, but two simple, um, maybe this is sort of applications. Okay, um, um, you know, it, it's kind of silly for me to just say, uh, it's not silly, but it's sort of silly, but not silly, to just, you know, say, be more joyful, you know, and, and like, everyone, let's pray, right? Uh, sort of application-ish stuff, okay? When you, when I, when you look at, um, I guess, first of all, homework is go home, go to BibleGateway.com and type in joy, okay? And look at how does the Bible use joy? Where are these people finding their joy in? Okay, that's, that's an important thing to do. If you want more joy and happiness in your life, just see where the, the biblical people are finding joy, right? It's just an easy exercise, okay? Um, and and it's, again, that's interest, it's interesting, okay? Uh, but two major themes of joy in the New Testament, 
Okay, two major themes of joy in the New Testament, um, and this is an example of your homework. The first one is joy in the kingdom to come. Right? If, you, if you do that search and you look at where do these people find their joy, right, a lot of them, a lot of the passages are looking for this joy that is to come. Okay, so um, this is one of the reasons that Pastor Susung was doing 12 weeks on the kingdom. Right? He's trying to present a picture of what the kingdom is going to be like so that we look at this kingdom and we're like, man, I can't wait for this. Right? This world pales in comparison to what is to come. Right? And I want this kingdom, and I, I can't wait for Jesus to return, and my joy is wrapped up in this. Okay? Um, you know, for me, a, a small picture is, uh, you know, uh, Esther goes to Korea a lot for business trips, and, you know, and in my mind, I've got to be thinking, you know, I can't wait till she returns, because when she returns, we'll be complete again. Okay? And, and, you know, magnify that a million times, and we think of Christ. Okay, I can't wait till Christ returns because when he returns, my joy will be more complete than I've ever known it to be. Okay, so uh, this is what they do. Right? This is what, uh, this is what the, the people in the Bible do. They're always thinking about this joy that is to come in, in, in Jesus returning and the kingdom to come and the rewards in heaven. Right? This, these are things. So, you know, wake up in the morning and be like, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, second, second larger theme of joy in the New Testament is a deep community with believers who share the same faith. Okay, and, and uh, as I was uh, reading through, you know, the, the, the you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, passages on joy, uh, over and over and over and over again, uh, these, Bible char- these Bible characters, Bible people, are finding joy in the community that they have. Okay, over and over. They can't wait to, to join up with these people. They write to each other for joy. They're just joyous to be with each other. Over and over and over, this word rejoice and joy comes up. Okay, which again, um, you know, Pastor Susan keeps pushing us. You know, try community groups. Try coming out. You know, get involved. Be intentional about your relationships in this church. Okay, uh, the reason, one of the big reasons why is there's joy in it. It might be hard. There's a little bit of work involved. Right? It's not. It's not. You know, it's not easy all the time. But you know, if you stick with it, there's joy in it. There's joy in it. Okay. Um, let me conclude with this. Let me conclude with one story. Um, uh, there's this woman um, named uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. I'm sure many of you have heard of her. She's a very famous Christian speaker, author. Uh, and she writes this story. Uh, she says, honest, uh, or, and her story is uh, she was swimming and she dove into a shallow pond and um, I guess cracked her neck and she was paralyzed from the neck down and that was her life. Okay. Um, and, and her story says, honestly, uh, honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian's women's conference. Uh, one woman putting on lipstick said, Oh, Johnny, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish that I had your joy. Uh, several women around her nodded. How do you do it? She asked as she capped her lipstick. Um, and Johnny replied, I don't do it. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? This is an average day. I breathe deeply. Uh, after my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when my friend arrives to get me up. 
While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, Oh, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours? God, I need you desperately. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door, one of them asked. I turn my head toward her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. And so I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. I have learned that the weaker, the weaker we are, the more we need to learn to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. Okay, this is a person that um, has gone through probably a hardship harder than many of us ever know. Okay, we complain about our jobs, our um, family, and, and again, I'm not belittling those problems. Those are real problems, right? real issues that deserve real answers. Uh, but don't let that be the defining factor of who you are. Right? Look to the cross. Look through the cross and see what, where we're going. Right? The, the set points that Jesus sets for us as a standard of joy is amazing, and it can be amazing because of what he gives us and what he does for our lives. He transforms our lives from the inside out. Okay, so why don't we pray together? Let me pray together. Um, God, we thank you for this joy that you give to us. Uh, I know it's an amazing thing and maybe uh, almost incomprehensible. We pray, give us faith. God, give us faith to see it. Give us faith to trust it, that your kingdom is coming, that you are coming, and when you come, there will be a joy that is incomprehensible when we reunite, reunite with you. I pray for those that do not yet know you. Oh, God, show them that this joy can be theirs as well. God, help us to live this joy. Let it be fruit. Let it uh, be seeds that, that fall out into this world that we can share with others. God, let, us, let it overflow from our hearts, uh, the, the joy that you have for us. God, and let us live it well. Let us represent it well as ambassadors of you. Uh, God, just fill our lives. And God, let us... Uh, not be ones that complain, uh, but let us just uh, just turn our eyes to you and let our tongue overflow with thankfulness and grace and blessing and praise of you. Uh, so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.